Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Could we just lift our hands and invite his presence in the word tonight? Thank you, Father, for your touch and anointing and your strength. Thank you for this house of worship, this sanctuary that is committed to your purpose and for the touch of the Holy Ghost that we feel tonight. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, the Lord has been here. It's been a great, it's been a great time. I do, I hate that uh, there's a long list of folks that are sick, including Brother uh, Nathan out tonight with whatever that is. Sister Latta's improving, but still in the hospital. I mean, still in rehab. All right, she's up to 106. Praise God. Hallelujah. I went in uh, yesterday, and we were praying and talking, and and uh, I mean, she just was talking about all the things God's going to do and, and what he did and all the things he's able to do. Praise God. And also, I see that uh, uh, we have the popes here tonight. Brother Raymond Pope and Brother Mark Pope. Praise God. Good to see them tonight. Brother Raymond, good to have you here all the way from distant lands. No, down in Florida. Thank you for joining us tonight. I did not even realize you were in the great state of Georgia this weekend. So we're happy to have you. And good to see all of you. If you have your Bibles, let's grab a Bible. We're going to turn to the word of the Lord. And I wish you'd help me preach tonight. Uh, I feel like the Lord is going to minister to us. And I've been uh, praying about a... I've never taught before. I want to teach on prophecy in in September. I've taught on prophecy many times. But I've never taught on America in prophecy. In fact, I've struggled with that most of my ministry. And uh, I've taught whole lessons about why, why do we not have a clear message in Scripture about America. And I've had different ideas through the years. But <clears throat> I really feel like the Lord's dealing with me. And I want to teach in September about America in prophecy. Um, and it should be interesting. It's all going to be on tape. So it will be the first time uh, ever been uh go on record, but we might as well because, hey, these are days when even if you preach the Bible has no errors in it, somebody out there is upset about that. They don't want you teaching that. The Bible has no errors in it, but I tell you, we got a Bible that's completely perfect. Hallelujah. It came from the hand of God, and anything God does is perfect. Praise God, and when we get to heaven, we're going to be perfect. We're going to have a perfection and a new body. Praise God. Anybody getting ready for heaven? Let's get our Bibles. We're turning tonight. So this this text tonight is a portion, although many of you won't see it. I'm not I'm just teasing you a bit with it. A tease. uh, I guess tease is all right. Teasing you a bit with the idea that this text has something to do with our teaching on American prophecy. But I'm not teaching on prophecy. And uh, and so uh, but. I feel like the Holy Ghost is directing me to preach a series about the way in which God directs nations. Because I feel like there's fear. People are afraid. They think that everything's out of control. But how many knows that nothing is ever out of control with God? He knows exactly what he's doing. And so tonight I want to have you turn with me to Genesis 37. Do we have all of the, have I done everything now? Got the announcements? We're good? All right. Praise God. It's been a long day. The Lord's been good. 
God's been blessing. Oh, I want to tell you, I, I wish I could share a couple things, but but I'm, I'm going to wait till later. Uh, but thank you for letting us go to Little Rock this week, sending us to Little Rock, sending us to Little Rock in a brand new car. We thank you for that. And uh, Sister French and I never rode uh, that many miles in that nice of a car ever in our life. And that was a blessing. We thank God for it. And we thank you. I'm tr- From the bottom of my heart, I thank you for it. Now, I, a car to me is a car. A car is a car. It's what it is. It's not more than that or less than that. But a gift from my church to say, here, we want to do this. Now, that's more than a car. And so that's what we're truly thankful for. We're thankful that you wanted to bless us. And uh, it didn't have to be that vehicle, but it was. And we thank you for it. And we also thank you for the, we had a tremendous time. Brother French got to go. Folks, uh, the church and others helped us to go to that conference. And, and, so, and so it is. Now, we're looking tonight at the book of Genesis chapter 37 and I thought I was turned there but I was thinking about that car and I went to John 10 by accident I don't know if there's some meaning in that but I want to go to uh, Genesis 37 and I feel under the direction of the Holy Ghost to preach a message entitled a coat and a dream a coat and a dream. That's my message. Can you say that with me? A coat and a dream. Praise God. Now I'm wearing a coat tonight. And our text is going to refer to a coat. Of course, in the ancient world, it was probably best to refer to it as a tunic. That's not unusual. That they would wear just like I'm wearing. Uh, let's do it this way. I, I don't don't get shocked. I have a coat on. It's an outer outer. It's, this is not a tunic by any stretch. This is a what we would call a coat, and I wear it often. In fact, every time I come to church, I'm wearing a coat. This is an accessory, and so uh, I've got a fancy tie, and my coat has a fancy. See that. It's fake. All right? I know some of you are shocked. Praise God. Someone very kindly got me that to make my coat. Sister French got me this, right? She got me this coat. Pants match it. It's a matching. We call it a suit in English. And uh, But this is, this is the jacket or the coat. It's the outer. I, I, when I took my coat off, I want to say this very carefully here. I was still fully clothed. A coat and a dream. Now Israel, verse 3, loved Joseph, or Jacob, says Israel here, of course. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Because he was the son of his old age. It does not, of course, take away from the fact that we can read these scriptures. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to preach a historical lesson. I'm not here to teach you a lesson. I'm not here to instruct you on Genesis 37. I'm here to preach a message from Genesis 37. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. And so even though that's a very bad idea, 
we can see the value of something here beyond just the fact that Jacob didn't raise his children exactly as he should. That is, he loved one more than all the others. And it created havoc throughout. And that's, that's another, that would be if I were teaching directly from this scripture about family, then that would be a lesson. But I'm not here to teach a lesson. I'm here to preach a sermon. Because he was the son of his old age. That's what it says. That says it in the Hebrew and it says it in the English. Because he was, uh, he loved Joseph more than all of his children. Why? Because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. Verse 4, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. And could not speak peaceably unto him. Verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. A coat and a dream. I wonder if we could set our Bibles down and let's ask God to anoint the messenger tonight in our hearts. We're going we're gonna to get to sit down, but let's just praise him a little bit. Let's invite the anointing in our hearts. Father, right now, I thank you because you are in this place in a very special way. I thank you for the blessing of God right now. I pray, Lord, that you will minister to each one. Let us receive, Lord, not just the emotion of this moment, but I pray that the word will speak to us in a very special way. We thank you in Jesus' name. Praise God. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, God's purpose, uh, as we are looking here in Genesis 37, and forgive me here, I'm, if I didn't just really need that, I wouldn't be drinking that in front of you. God's purpose would soon be miraculously fulfilled in this last son. Joseph was the last son. Now, we know Benjamin came along, but at this juncture in Genesis 37, we're going to jump around just a little bit. We'll, we'll go to other places, for example, Genesis 47. But at this point, Joseph is his last son. As far as Israel knows, that is his last son. So I speak tonight in terms of the Joseph that is viewed as the final generation and the way in which Jacob responded to him. He was a son of character, and so I am speaking symbolically. That is to say, he was a man of character, but he is also a symbol of character. I doubt you could ever find when uh, anybody that is a better example of character than Joseph himself. And I'm even I'm not preaching. I'm not here to give you a lesson on Joseph. I'm here to preach about a coat and a dream. And I believe that God has the church in this hour for a special purpose. He has something important for us and we can learn it. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. God has a purpose for the church and we can see it in this last son. 
He is the son of Israel. Now there were many sons, but Joseph here. Now Benjamin's coming. We know that. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't say he, did, he forgot he had another son. No, I didn't. Not here to say he didn't have a Benjamin. I'm here to say we're looking at Joseph. And in the prophecy of Joseph, he is the son of character. He is the son of calling. Hallelujah. There's always, God always has a way of having those with character have the greatest impact. Someone said character doesn't matter. Character matters. Righteousness matters. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. The devil has convinced folks it does not matter. We're seeing it all across the political spectrum. We see it in every political party. We see it in Europe, America. We see it in the East. We see it everywhere. But Joseph was indeed the last generation era. He was the symbol of the last generation. And he was the son of character. And the last generation has to get a hold of the revelation of divine events. Whenever that final son arrives... It does indeed behoove the final generation. If there's nothing else coming, then that means it's about over. And in fact, Joseph represents that spirit of divine revelation. Hallelujah. Is anybody glad tonight for revelation? Are you thankful tonight for revelation? Are you thankful for truth? Now listen to me. Many people are satisfied with the humdrum. They don't care what anybody believes about the Bible. Everybody's just fine. But folks, I got news for you. It's time to get a divine revelation. It's time to get a hold of God. No, no, no. It, it's not time to just get by. It's not fine to just say well it doesn't really matter what anybody believes you, you need to get a little stronger than that it is time for the son of the last generation to get a hold of divine events to understand them so suddenly joseph awakes from a deep sleep and i pray tonight that god i'm speaking prophetically and i'm speaking symbolically but i mean it from the bottom of my heart if i could if I could get that cough drop out of my mouth. Praise God. I need a cough drop, but I'd rather live. Praise God. It's not funny. That's not funny. Hallelujah. Suddenly, Joseph finds himself awakening from the depth of sleep. And I believe tonight that God is calling the last generation to awake from its sleep, to come to the place where they say, I want to hear what God is saying. I want to hear what God is saying. Amen. Yes, sir, Joseph. He wakes from sleep with divine dream filling his very anticipation and his mind. Now, many of us, of course, would run and say, oh, that's, that's a bunch of baloney, which is, a, you know, the French word. And uh, that's just a bunch of nonsense. Uh, I, I just dreamed that silly little dream. That's what many folks would do. You would put that on the shelf of nothing. You would lay it aside as though it had no value whatsoever. 
But I feel tonight that there is a last generation. There is a last generation son that is awaking from the depths of sleep in the midnight hour. And they're getting a revelation of what God intends for them to do. That's good preaching, Brother French. Hallelujah. It is time that we realize that God is able to wake us up. God is able to touch my neighbor. God is able to touch my, uh, ever, my college, my school, my teacher at school. God is bigger than the devil himself. God is the great I am. He can awaken me. I'm a last generation son. Hallelujah. He can wake me up if he chooses to. Some of us are far too busy staying up late hours watching what we should never be watching. Thinking about things we should never be thinking about. We're more concerned about some sinful talent from some cool somebody than we are the revelation of the last days in which we live. Now, you say, Brother French, that's hard. You're being a little hard on us. No, no, I don't mean that hard. I don't mean to be hard. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to tell you that we are a last generation son. We have opportunity. God has called us. We can hear the voice of God. We should be ready for it. It's God's plan. There are folks who are ashamed to even tell people they speak in tongues. We're going right back to the, you know, I got my nice church over there on Terra and got my nice building and and driving my nice car and I don't want anybody to look down on me. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should invite people to dislike us or that we should want people to look down uh, at us or to think less of us than they should. I don't want that. I don't invite it. I'm not suggesting that's what we ought to be doing. But church, we are far too concerned about what people are going to think about what God is doing in us than we are what God is trying to do through us. God has a dream and a purpose. We've got to get a hold of it. Could we clap our hands and thank God for it? Come on, let's clap our hands and thank God for it. Father, right now we thank you, Jesus. He was merely 17 years old. Can you wipe these off? I can't see a thing here. See that? It's the most anointed I've been in years right here. Because I'm not here to present uh, perfection. I'm here to talk about a coat and a dream. And to get my glasses back. Could you hand me another cough? No, I'm just kidding. I don't, don't want another cough drop. I want one, but I need one, but we'll, uh, we'll be fine. Joseph was 17 years old. We know it from the very text that we have read. He was, in this verse, a young person. The last generation. The youth of his father's old age. 
with all the troubles and all that that brings with it, that's its historical. A lot there. I'm not just jumping over it. I'm trying to get beyond it. That last generation youth. And how many are praying for our youth? We're getting ready for youth revival and back to school. How many are praying for our youth? And you're really doing it. Are you really praying? And maybe, maybe I don't know what it's going to take. Someone said, well, Brother French, it's August. We don't, we don't worry about that in August. I mean, I'm like, give us a break. Our kids are going back into the jaws of sin and, and places where they're being told everything except righteousness. Church, we ought to be praying for our young people as never before. And I know you are. I'm just, I'm just reminding you. And so here he was, a, a last generation young person. But God filled Joseph's mind with the vision of a future revelation. He gave him a dream. Can you say a dream? And I'm talking about it. Now, a lot of folks are depressed and defeated and they've got the status quo. But God did not give this young man depression and defeat and a, and a, uh, a, a frown. He did not give him just the status quo. But in fact, he gave him an unbelievable glimpse of a vision of tomorrow, which God was ordaining as a symbol of salvation and deliverance. In other words, he took a young 17-year-old boy. You say, well, it seems like that. I've heard of that before. Yes, because David was 17. The Bible specifically gives us his age. And I think it's a powerful thing when God is saying we need the young. Now listen to me, church. We need the young and we need the old. We need all of us, of course. But don't rule out the young because God can give a dream. To a Joseph. He's a last generation youth. And God can give him a vision. Praise God. Oh I wish I had some voice. <clears throat> so I'm just going to have to drink it. I'm sorry. As a symbol. So that everything Joseph saw. As a 17 year old. So you know how it is. You're young. I'm not trying to dis- take away from it. I'm not trying to say it was just a youthful thing. I don't mean that. But what I'm trying to say is. Here's a young boy. If it's okay to call him a boy, 17, that to me, well, I'm going to say boy. If you're not liking that, you're, we're really in trouble. Uh, so here's a boy that is given a vision that is going to change the world forever. Historically, if we were speaking specifically of the 12 tribes and, and uh, how Joseph was said, I want you to take my bones from here when you leave and so forth. All the things that Joseph was about uh, is in fact an amazing revelation that comes to a 17-year-old boy. We could say the same of David because David was just a boy. His most famous, I doubt anybody would, would quibble that David's most famous moment was when he grabbed that stone and went after the giant that dared to defy the armies of Israel. Saul was upset. He never got over it. Saul never forgave him. He was so jealous. I want to tell you something, folks. We need to get to the place that we get beyond our carnality and we let God use who he wants to use 
Praise God, a dream, a dream in a 17-year-old boy. Let's lift our hands and thank God for what he can do in our midst if we'll surrender ourselves to him. Lord, thy will be done. Touch our young people. Some of them are wondering if they even have a place. Help them to know, Lord, that they are a last-generation youth and you can bless them. Of course, we would have, uh, who would have imagined that Famine would so grip the world that only divine intervention could save it. That in fact the dream that this boy has is about world events that will shape not only Israel but the entire world. Joseph is used of God in the configuration of history as a boy because he was willing to receive a dream from the hand of God. Hallelujah. Folks, listen. You, you Listen to what I'm trying to say. We need to quit thinking we've had got it all worked out and we got it all done. I went to church, I sat down, I waved my hand, I clapped and I heard the singing and I felt good and I had a little goosebump and then I got up and then everybody I gave in the offering and then I heard a sermon and I got finally got through that sermon and then I got to go home as that as though that's all that God wants to do, my friend. God wants to do more than just put us through the ceremony God wants to do the unimaginable he wants to touch us in ways that will change our world that's what he wants to do praise God I'm not inviting I'm not inviting anything I'm not saying Aptab should do anything in the face of the whole world I'm not suggesting that we ought to ruffle feathers or that we ought to uh, do anything in the eyes and ears of the world. But I do suggest that we need to let God do whatever he wants to do. Now I've heard a lot of sermons. I've preached them myself. About Joseph should have been more careful. And he shouldn't have told his brothers. He should have said it this way. And I, I tend to... Accept that as a psychological reality. Jacob should have raised his boys differently because they ended up throwing their brother into a pit, which is a horrible sin. It was a disgrace. But I've got news for you tonight. No matter what you do to the person that is the last generation obedient youth that says, yes, Lord, you cannot stop what God has set in motion. You cannot stop a church that's committed to the dream. Hallelujah. Come on, young people, clap your hands with me. I know no devil can stop you. Praise God. Praise God. Only God could have known that famine would overtake the entire world. And so it is tonight that God knows exactly where we are in time. I know some of you think you have a long time. You're calculating maybe 100 years or 25 years or maybe even more. You're thinking, well, you know, the so-and-so. And 
I know how it works. It's easy to think, well, uh, that Antichrist is going to sit in the temple, so that's going to take so long. We've got to build a temple. There's no temple there. And you're wondering just how long it will be. But I believe tonight that we are last generation sons. I do. You say, well, Brother French, that's all on tape. And, and when you're gone and all the dust is gathered and your, your, your sons are your age and they're looking back and they pull up that sermon and it says, we're a last generation son. You're going to look really, really uh, ignorant. Forty years from now. They're going to say, oh, dad, yeah, dad. Boy, he thought, man, listen to that. He, he thought the Lord was coming right then. Listen to that. Had a whole sermon. Could barely preach about Joseph. He was so stirred up about the coming of the Lord and the dream that God can place, how God can show us things that we never knew. Does anybody feel the Holy Ghost here tonight? I want to tell you something. I feel strong enough about preaching the coming of the Lord. If Listen, if I'm foolish 40 years from now, then the Apostle Paul must be the most foolish man that ever lived. And John the Revelator said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. He said it 2,000 years ago. Woo, hallelujah. I want to tell you what we need is not somebody afraid to dream. We need somebody that can take the dream to their very soul. Hallelujah, hallelujah. A code in a dream. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to wake up and see that famine is coming. Thank you, Jesus. Quit worrying about what, who they're going to tape and whether they're going to tape it. I get these little notes from people because we got 50, 60,000. What do we got now on our web? 50-something thousand people. 55,000. That's up, isn't it? So this will go on the radio. Not the radio. What is it? The podcast. <sighs> Hallelujah. All I got to do is say, I still believe. I mean, I'm not predicting. I'm just saying it doesn't take much to stir some people up. I still believe in the old time religion. And somebody, well, that's just a bunch of nonsense. We can't go back. You can't live. What did they say in the uh, Ozzy and Harriet? Is that, did somebody say that? Yeah. Like I was supposed to know who Ozzy and Harriet were. In other words, folks, you got way too much time on your hands if you're talking about Ozzy and Harriet and worried that old Pastor French is a fuddy dud because he believes that we could see the coming of Jesus in our generation. Hey, my friend, 
I do not say it with one small tinge of concern or remorse. We could see the coming of Jesus Christ in our generation. It could come faster than you could even think. In fact, one of the things that God is stirring me with, I can, I can barely rest sometimes because the Holy Ghost keeps waking me up. And it says to me, I'm laying there, the Holy Ghost says, in such a time. Now, this isn't home. This isn't my bed. I'm sorry. Um, are you all okay? I'm sorry. I was trying to illustrate. <laughs> so I was getting in, you know, I was getting comfortable here. I mean, I can hardly even get ready for a message, but the Lord will start stirring my soul. I, I went the other day and I ran back to my office and I said, Lord, in such an hour as you think not. And I, and I, I said, Lord, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I think. And so I look it up. You know, I know enough Greek to know that, that uh, the word think not, deco, means to, to give thought to. In other words, no matter how hard I could think about it, I, I mean, I'm just going to interpret it that way. No matter how hard I try, I cannot figure out the time that the Lord is going to come. So I get a little note from someone. The Bible says you can't know it, so what are you worrying about? Scolding me because I preached on the coming of the Lord. Like I'm supposed to not preach about the coming of the Lord because I don't know. Well, let's go back here to Matthew. In such a time as you can't even imagine. You can't think. You think not, the King James says. So they're telling me to quit thinking about it. Of course, I don't say a word. I'm telling you because I'm preaching. And I just feel like telling you that. I don't know why. But I'm stirred in my soul. Listen, folks. If someone else doesn't want to think about it, doesn't want to preach about it, never talk about it, let their young people think it's never going to happen, that's their business. I've got a God to answer to. And I believe we've got to get ready. We've got to get ready, Joseph. You've got to wake up. God's given you a dream. You've got to listen to it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Praise God. God's stirring us. I believe that he's stirring us. He wants us to awake and see that God is bigger than all of the world's very serious problems. Boy, Lord, I'm, I'm holding back. Nobody could have imagined a famine so great that it would last as long as a teenager's life. In fact, it would last so long that it would be almost as long as Joseph's own life when he has the dream.
course, he, he dreamed more than one, and dreams are prevalent in this last generation life. And he's no longer 17 when much of the story reaches its pinnacle. But enough so that to me, it speaks of the last generation thinking and receiving. I just can't imagine that God would give Joseph a dream, no matter how he divulged it to his brothers, how how I agree or disagree with the way he handled it. Personally, I don't disagree with it. But some people said, well, if he hadn't said it that way, the brothers and so forth and so on, okay, all right. So he wasn't perfect. But what is crucial here is that so many are willing to pick to pieces Joseph for thinking about his dream and pay not one moment's notice to the content of what God was doing. Oh, you say, well, he's just 17. God wouldn't use that boy. We got too many men that are ordained. Why would he be working in our youth? All the excuses. Church, I want to tell you something. It's time to lay down our excuses and let's get ready for the coming of Jesus. We ought to be praying like we've never prayed. We ought to be worshiping like we've never worshiped before. Preaching righteousness. Listen, folks. Listen. No, no, no. You listen, listen, listen to this pastor. I'm trying to preach to you. You take the Bible and act as though it bores you to death just having to listen to the bible bores you to death you can hardly wait because oh i gotta sit through 30 minutes of bible lesson oh i could do it if somebody was running around and jumping and shouting and they were dancing i could do it then but if someone's just teaching me the word of god let me tell you church We'd better teach our young people how to receive the word of God. Praise God. They need to receive it into their soul. We need to receive it into our very spirit. My, 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 my. Let's clap our hands one more time. Come on, one more time. Who would have ever thought that God already knew the dreams In its most minute detail, that God was preparing the entire world. Nobody would have ever thought that. That on that particular night, that a young boy was receiving a vision that would change the world. You say, it didn't. I say it did. It literally changed the entire world. It changed Israel. It changed Egypt. It changed the prophetic picture. It changed everything all the way down to right now. That boy's dream. That's why you must be very careful how you try to squash people's excitement. You need to be very careful about your boredom. And about your unwillingness to yield yourself. Because sometimes what you're doing. I heard someone. Uh, it doesn't matter when. And they were making fun of speaking in tongues. And they were Pentecostal. And they were pretending they were speaking in tongues. I said. Oh, mm, mm, uh, no. I'm standing here. And may I just say. Don't ever do that. In my presence again. 
If you want to make fun, you do that on your own time. I don't have a minute to waste here listening to you think that that is something funny. Well, it was funny. I just, no, no, no. I know it was funny. I know you thought it was funny. But you're laughing at something that is more powerful than anything this world's ever known. And you don't even know what you're doing. Oh, well, okay, Brother French, I get it. You, you, I get it. I'm sorry I offended you. No, no. You didn't offend me. No. You failed to see one of the most important things you could ever think about. Do you think this world gives a rip about holiness? Do you think Hollywood cares one second about holiness in this world? But this last generation, son, he cared. He cared. His father said, you are the son of my favor. And therefore, I am giving you a brand new, unique coat that will stir rivalry, that will be laughed at, that will be the stirring of jealousy. In fact, the Bible uses, King James actually translates it envy, but you do know that they're the same Hebrew word. Envy and jealousy are the same Hebrew word. They can come out, I don't mean envy and jealousy are the same thing. I mean they come from the same Hebrew word. So that when you're envious, that's jealousy. That's the spirit of jealousy. And Jacob or Israel says, I am giving you the son of my favor. I want to tell you something. Folks that don't believe the coat matters. That don't believe the favor matters. They're going to miss out on what God wants to do. God wants to wrap his coat around me and give me a special distinction in what I'm wearing. No, no, no. I don't want you to have to like You don't have to like it. You don't have to like No, no, no. I'm not, that's not the point. I'm speaking symbolically. Joseph's coat was a coat or a tunic, just like I described a moment ago. But it was a coat of favor. And as sure as he slipped it on. Now, I know enough Hebrew to know that the word for multicolored coat or King James goes uh, what? Coat of many colors. Um, I, know, I know enough Hebrew to know that that word for multicolored tunic has the root of the words, so say, you, you write it down and then laugh all your heads off later. But I want you to get it down. Any scholar of Hebrew in the world will tell you that the Hebrew word there is so unique that some translators, I'm not trying to get too deep here, Lord, I'm just trying to tell it, that the Hebrew has to do with the wrist and the ankles, causing... For example, the New Living, I just happened to check it before service. The New Living translates it a long coat because of the Hebrew connection to the wrist and the ankle. 
Now, many other scholars say, well, that's taking it too far. I, I'm going to have to go back up here. I've got to, this is very important. I've got to get back up here. Praise the Lord. Amen. When he wrapped that coat, he's already dressed. This was the tunic. This was the mark of distinction. This is my last generation. I'm giving them the coat of my garment. And this garment is now multicolored. Oh hallelujah. I don't want to I don't want to go down on this one. I don't I don't want to be I don't want you to take I want you to take this lightly. I'm trying to simply be broad in my understanding. I'm trying to get you to see this a little more than just that it had a lot of color on the coat. All right? Because that that that's, word doesn't mean that it just had a bunch of color. Like uh uh Sister French, I can always count on Sister French. No, I won't have you stand. Sister French, I I I won't have you stand, but I do love your jacket. <laughs> That's a multicolored jacket. Praise the Lord, Sister Morris. God bless you. Love your jacket. No, 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 I want you to think with me. And then you just spend the rest of your life wondering what did that Hebrew word mean that causes certain translations to wonder how to even translate it. Doesn't just mean it had a bunch of color. What would have been distinct? No, no, just bear with me. What would have been distinctive and special about the fact that the coat was colorful alone? Well, it had lots of color. Well, yes, it did. No doubt in my mind it was a very colorful uh, we don't have a whole lot of colorful jackets here. I was hoping for more. Uh, but Sister Morris, thank you. Beauty and color stand out. But this Hebrew word bears with it. Having your attire amazing from, let's, I'm going to put it in modern, I'm not going to worry about the Hebrew now, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I'm wrapped in this garment, his special favor from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. It is so distinctive that the devil notices it every time he walks through the door because it is so powerful. See, I'm being symbolic. I'm jumping back. You know that I am. Praise God. And of course, I... I am speaking symbolically of holiness because it is the garment that only the favored can know. Holiness draws me closer to him than anything else I do. I can study Hebrew till my fingers fall off. I can, I can pray till the wee hours of the morning. But when I wrap myself in the garment of holiness from the top of my head and I say, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 
I suddenly have become the last generation's son. The last generation's son. I'm able to dream his dream. And I'm able to wear his garment. That is so magnificent. Now, folks, I'm not going to quibble anymore about it. I'm as convinced of this as I am. Jesus named baptism. That that coat was not special just because it had a few special little colors. It had lots of colors. But there was more to that jacket than just the color. It was so distinctive that the Bible... No, no, listen to me. You're not listening to me. Jacob said... Now listen, you read it. If you know enough Hebrew, you can go back and check it. Jacob made him a coat. But that doesn't mean he did it with his own hands. Necessarily. Doesn't mean he did it with his own hands. He made it. He created it. He put it together. Someone said, well... What did the other boys wear? I'm not here to preach about what the other boys wore. That's another sermon. I'm here to tell you that the last generation son was able to recognize the value of the coat of favor and the value of the dream from heaven to see the future that God wants us to see. And so it is. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm almost there. Can we just lift our hands one more time? Can we just love him? Come on, let's take another moment. Father, right now, a coat, a coat, and a dream. A young man, a young boy. (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah. Something that changed the entire world. We read of a coat. Now, I know, folks, there's several Greek words for coat. One of the Greek words for coat means this right here. I call it a shirt. But, uh, and I have this right here, part of my clothes. We can sometimes refer to that as a, a garment. This is a garment. The Greek word can be translated a coat. It could be my, I can, for example, I can speak of my, uh, Robe. Now we're getting down to. We're almost there. We're almost done. I know you're. You're praying. I can tell you're praying. Lord, help us. A robe is just another way to translate one of the Greek words. See, now I'm in the New Testament because Revelation 19 says that I saw him. His hair was white like wool. His eyes were like fire. They they were so powerful. They were just fire shooting from the very sockets of his eyes. He was riding on a white horse. And the entire world, 17. I'm going to teach on Revelation 17 in just a few weeks. Never done it in my life. I've taught Revelation from cover to cover. But I've never taught what I'm going to teach in September. Revelation 17. the, The great harlot is the great. Harlot of Babylon, Babylon the Great, Revelation 17, 2. Revelation 18 and 1, Babylon has fallen. And then 
we see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Doesn't call it a coat or a robe or a tunic. Uh, doesn't matter why. King James translated 400 years ago uses all kinds of words, interesting words. In fact, the King James translators shows a very nice little word. They said in his vesture, which I don't know of anybody using that lingo. Does anybody think of it? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a, a clothing expert. I'm not from Paris. But it said his vesture, which, of course, is just, the, doesn't matter what Greek word it is. It's just the Greek word for his tunic, his robe. His coat, his vesture was dipped in what? Blood. And believe it or not, there's folks that quibble over what that blood was. I mean, there are folks that spend their entire study of Revelation 19 on what in the world was the blood. I want to tell you, there is a precious blood that washes from sin. Hallelujah. I've got a vesture, and it's been washed in blood. Hallelujah. Praise God. Of course, it parallels the, the redness of the wine that she was drinking with the blood. Now, some think that blood is the blood of revenge. He's going, and so I, I don't, okay, fine, 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 no problem. If that's what it is, that's what it is. But I don't think so personally. I think it is the red blood that came from his side that washes men clean. It makes us what we ought to be. A coat and a vision. A coat and a dream. God has a coat that is dipped in blood. Praise God. And so we have a coat. It is a very special coat of favor. And hey, let's stand together. We need to walk with the garments his blood washed garments. If you don't want to call it holiness, then you call it what you want to. But I want to tell you something. We need to wear the garments that have been washed. And how many know that when we get to heaven, we're going to put on a new robe, the Bible said. We're going to have a brand new coat. We're going to pick it up and it's going to be a brand new life. Praise God. I wonder if we could, uh, I want a praise team to come just for a minute. I wonder if we could just come for a special prayer. What we're going to do is we're going to pray that God will help us to recognize the favor of God upon us, that we will receive it in humility, and that he will help us to recognize the vision, the dream of future events that are all around us. And here's what I need you to do tonight. I want you to pray that you will be so captivated by the dream of the future that your family, your children, your sons, your daughters, your neighbors, your co-workers. See, I can, I can slow down here. Could we just gather and let's pray for them. We're going to, and they're going to sing. That'll help us not just have it quiet. I wonder if you could bring your family. I, they may not be here, but I mean, bring them in your heart and let's pray. Lord, I want to, I want to wrap myself in this blood washed garment. This vesture. Lord, I'm not comparing myself to you. <laughs> oh. 
but I've been given a new garment. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I've got the favor of the Lord upon me, and I want my family to be saved. Now, some of you, maybe everybody in this room, I don't, I don't want to overstate, but many of you believe that the Lord is coming soon. And I want you to pray that God will give us such a vision of the future that we will be able to see our family. Now, you know who I'm talking about. Somebody in your family that's not ready to see Jesus. But I believe tonight we could break through. There's a Joseph in this place tonight. Could we lift our hands and let's cry out to God. Lord, give me the vision. Let me wake me up from my sleep. Let me see the glory of God. I'm wearing a blood-washed garment. And I'm waking up, oh God. I'm waking up, Lord, till I see my family filled with the Holy Ghost. Until I see my children my neighbors, my co-workers, my loved ones, mother, dad, brother, sister, until they're ready to meet Jesus. Father, I pray that we will not miss it, that nobody will miss it. And I will not be their judge. I don't want to be their judge. Oh, Jesus, I pray that, that lives will be ready, hearts will be prepared for your coming. Father, they'll be baptized. Lord, send a revival of baptism. Send an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And let it touch our children. That's it. Lift that other hand. Let's pray for our children and our young people right now. Father, I thank you. Thank you for the garments. Thank you for the dream. Thank you for this last generation. Young people, moms and dads that are preparing. Lord, we give you praise. Because you're helping us to get ready. Oh, yeah. Let the power of the Holy Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing fall on me. Come on, let's reach out. Let's pray for somebody that's near us right now. Let's just pray a moment. I know the music's pretty, but let's just pray for one another. Come on, walk over two or three feet and... Just get a hold of somebody's hand and let's just agree together. Somebody may need a miracle you don't know anything about. Father, tonight I pray that we will be so convicted, so so given to the favor of God in this last day. Lord, not through guilt and not because we're somebody in ourselves, but because we're a child of favor. We're obedient to the Father. We're listening to your call and your voice. And we are giving you, Lord, our very, very best. Oh, hallelujah. Fall on me. me. Anointing. Anointing. Fall on me. Let's love him one more time, shall we? Could we just give him some praise?